Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 375 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Adam. I'm all by myself for the first part of this uh, episode today. The second half of today's episode is going to be an interview I did with my good buddy Brad Meltzer, who came back on to talk about a couple new children's books that he has coming out, which I'll get to in in just a minute. Um, It felt like really, really good timing for him to come on and talk about children's books, uh, because if you listened in last week, I had Daniel Handler uh, on the podcast where I I did an interview with him, he of the uh, Lemony Snicket fame, and we were talking about his most recent adult book, uh, Bottle Grove, but we, of course, got into um, some children's book conversations because I can't have Lemony Snicket on the podcast and not, you know, talk about a series of unfortunate events. And Daniel said something that has stuck with me, and I I think it's just really, really true when we were talking about the kind of everlasting effect that children's books have on us as human beings and we were I mean we were joking around a lot about some stuff but he he made a really good point he's like you know there are far more people who are reading and will think about and will obsessively reread books by like you know Beverly Cleary and Dr. Seuss and all these different books that we read as children there's far more people that are going to read those types of books and have them have a, an importance on your life than you know any adult book that we may think about as a classic story um, just to kind of think about it in a way that if you think about the best books of all time uh, you know all, all those lists that you see uh, I'm definitely one of those people who is working through those types of lists and just to sort of give you an idea I've talked a lot about um, War and Peace this year how I, I read it earlier this year and it was the first time I finally got into it it was a great book uh, I'm never gonna go back and read it again it's just never gonna happen um, I'm never probably never going to read The Trial or Metamorphosis by Kafka again. Uh, It was important for me to read and to analyze and study when I was kind of growing up and through college and everything, but (laughs) they're a little depressing. I don't really want to think about them again, whereas I will 100% revisit books that I read as a child every now and then um, just whenever I'm feeling nostalgic. Um, A perfect example, of course, is the Harry Potter books, but Um, I think about Hatchet and Daniel Handler and I talked about The Outsiders a little bit. Um, Where the Redfern Grows is another wonderful example. It's a book that I've read dozens of times and anyone who has seen my dog pictures that I post uh, either on our podcast, social media, or other places um, will know that the dogs that I have look a lot like the dogs from Where the Redfern Grows and and that's because those books have really stuck with me. just a few more examples, you know, to kind of really hammer home the point. Um, I grew up reading Alice in Wonderland, you know, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass and these kind of nonsensical, you know, whimsical stories. And if you walk into the house that my wife and I uh, built, 
the the first thing you'll see is a giant Alice in Wonderland poster. Um, we had an Alice in Wonderland wedding. We have Alice in Wonderland artwork all over our house. Um, our main floor of our house, you'll see we kind of have a, a wall of literary art because we are giant nerds. This professional book nerds thing is not just a, uh, a part-time thing for me. And on that wall of literary art on the first floor, what you'll see is uh, pictures and then quotes from three different stories. Uh, the first one is Chronicles of Narnia. Um, and then there's a, there's a picture of Mr. Tumnus you know, standing under the, the lamppost and it says, Courage, Dear Heart. Uh, there is one of Alice kind of in a um, sort of like in a colorful jar. And then there's a quote from from that, um, you know, about Curiouser and Curiouser. And then my wife's favorite books growing up uh, as a child were all of the Wizard of Oz books. And so we have uh, this really fun picture, uh, kind of drawing of all the Wizard of Oz characters. And then below that, we have a quote from Wizard of Oz. And this is a theme throughout our entire house. You'll find uh, literary art from, uh, you know, children's books really all over the place. As I mentioned, you've got Alice and you have Harry Potter quotes and all sorts of stuff. You'll also find uh, some intense artwork that uh, features Frankenstein and Dracula and all the uh, universal movie monster type characters that also come from literature. But just thinking through all of the important you know quotes and stories and things that I, I think about because of children's literature um, you know whether it's quotes from people like Neil Gaiman that come from the graveyard book or any of the kind of stuff that he wrote for younger people um, it just has a lasting effect on who you are as a person um, for any of those of you who have met me in person you'll you'll notice pretty quickly uh, that I have uh, Harry Potter quotes or Harry Potter tattoos that go all the way down my left arm. I have a Dr. Seuss quote that is on the inside of my arm, um, and I have Alice in Wonderland tattoos on my side and my chest. Like this is all just really to kind of hammer home the point that children's books leave a lasting effect on who we are throughout our entire life, and uh, and they in many instances can have. A bigger effect on who we become as an adult and, and, and kind of help shape the stories that we like to to hear as an adult much more than you know the stories that we end up reading when we kind of enter adulthood you know I, I think a lot of the reason that I love reading fantasy books nowadays is because of the kind of magic and whimsy and stuff that I read you know throughout all the books that I, I had growing up and and but there's also times when I'll go back to kind of pastoral, um, kind of slower lifestyle books like Wendell Berry and when he's talking about these you know, simple kind of farm life stories. And I think a lot of that has to go back to all the books that I read growing up that I was all about nature. You know, there's um, you know, White Fang and, and there's Hatchet and all these books that, you know, I felt a, a close personal connection to to nature because of these books and you know it's another one of the reasons why you know speaking of all my tattoos I have a tattoo of me kind of like running with my dogs as like a silhouette through uh, the woods of northeast Ohio because we have this amazing area called the metro parks and it's um, a lot of that had to do with when I was a kid and I was reading these books about these kids having adventures in nature and, and I know a lot of that is shaped why I love spending time you know, in the in the woods and, and having a little bit of peace and quiet now and then. So all this is to say the conversation that Brad and I have 
is about the two latest books that he has created uh, with Christopher Eliopoulos in their uh, Ordinary People Change the World series. And this is the highly familiar books that you'll notice, whether you're at your library or your local bookstore or you're perusing on, on Libby. They're all the books that say, I am, and then they have a specific character. So some of the ones they've done in the past, you know, I am Billie Jean King, and I am Gandhi, and I am Harriet Tubman, and I am Martin Luther King, I am Jane Goodall, uh, I am Jim Henson, of course, is uh, the one that really caught my attention originally. So he has two new ones coming out, uh, I am Marie Curie, and then I am Walt Disney. And we spend a lot of time on the Walt Disney part of this, just because, you know, it's impossible not to, to talk about Walt Disney and uh, the, the effect that Disney has on our lives, sometimes for good, sometimes for bad. You know, there, obviously there's been a lot of conversation going on with Disney sort of coming becoming a, a monopoly and, and how much effect they have on our lives. But at the same time, the even the Disney-fied versions of the fairy tales that I grew up with and, and the movies and the shows and things, you know, they had a lasting effect on who I am. And there's there's no denying that there's kind of a um, a wonder and, and magical aspect to the stories that, uh, you know, the Disney company presents. So it was really great just to have a conversation with Brad about the reason that he thinks that Disney continues to be so much a part of our lives now. And he tells a really great story about uh, how once a year he takes his kids to Disney World because he lives down in Florida um, and he never tells them what day it's going to be. So uh, it's it's a cool real, real reason. I don't want to kind of spoil the words that he took that he said, but it's a really cool reason why he does it and doesn't tell them, and, and it's wonderful. And the reason that I love this ordinary people change the world series is because again, I think of all of the stories that I grew up with, and a lot of the stories that I really liked reading as a kid, they were fiction, and that's perfectly okay. Fiction is wonderful, um, but all of these books that he is is sharing with, with all this incredible artwork with from Christopher Eliopoulos are all about people who were actually real people and how they changed the world. So, you know, it's one thing to give a child a book all about, um, you know, SpongeBob and have him fall in love with that character. And because he's, they're used to seeing it on, on television. It's another thing entirely to be able to give uh, your, your daughter or your son a book all about you know Helen Keller or Rosa Parks or Albert Einstein, and it's written in such a way that it's written for children, and this artwork is catchy and incredible, and then they can see how these real-life people came from you know just like they are now as kids, and then they have the ability to change the world for good. Um, they're just going to keep coming out with these books, and they're they're so wonderful. I it's really great to be able to purchase these and, and give them to my nieces and nephews. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's a really, really special thing that, that Brad's doing. You know, it, you can hear the passion when, when you hear Brad talk. And if you're fortunate enough, like I have been to get a chance to speak with him a few times, um, you can really hear Brad's passion for spreading the joy of reading um, whether it's to adults or children, uh, people from his community, people all around the world. Um, he had just gotten back when we had this conversation from a trip that him and his family took to the Amazon. And part of it was a vacation, but another part of it was talking to the some of the local tribes and, and some of the people that are, are indigenous to that area and doing readings and, and having them translate. And he, he told me, he's like, there's nothing like 
reading my book about Sacagawea and having someone translate it to these kids who can kind of understand that story just, just a little bit. And you can just hear the passion in his voice. And the guy is wonderful. Uh, being that uh, if you're a long-time listener to the podcast, you'll know that Brad has um, an obsession with the Muppets and the Jim Henson uh, aspect of life that is only rivaled by my own. So uh, at the time that we recorded this, it was the week that the Dark Crystal uh, Age of Resistance on Netflix was just about to come out. So neither of us had seen any of it. Um, so we kind of talked just a little bit about what we're hoping to see and, and, and things like that. And just, again, if you are looking for a way to inspire your children, um, these stories are wonderful. Or if you have children that are passionate about something already you know if you have a young daughter or a young son who is really into science being able to show them that i am Marie, uh, Marie curie uh, book is, is really cool if you have a a child who is interested in politics for some you know it's, it's possible that they might have taken an interest and in, uh, there's an i am you know sonia sotomayor book it's someone if they're interested in space there's i am neil armstrong I, there's just so many of these books that have a connection so take a listen to our conversation i think you'll really enjoy it and um, perhaps most excitingly about all these books is they're actually becoming a, a television series uh, on pbs and, and we get into that as well so that was just kind of i wanted to share a few thoughts that i've been having a lot lately uh, when it comes to children's books um, anytime september or october the sort of getting closer to the end of the year rolls around i get a little nostalgic and i find myself rereading a lot of these books um, that I, I read growing up. So I, this was really good timing for this. Um, I, I think you guys will, will definitely enjoy it. Uh, next week, we'll get back to kind of our normal schedule where uh, on Monday, we'll have an episode with an author and it's Alice Hoffman, who you definitely don't want to miss that. Um, she of the Practical Magic fame. And we talk about um, her new book that's coming out, uh, The World That We Knew. Uh, and then Thursday, we'll do uh, a little bit uh, of other stuff as well, back to a kind of a normal Thursday episode. Uh, I do want to remind everybody that uh, in just about a week, in fact, uh, a week from the day that I'm recording this, September 18th, it's September 18th is Read an Ebook Day. So we'll be celebrating uh, all on social media using the hashtag ebooklove. Um, if you're interested in winning a free device or some Libby swag from us here at Overdrive, just use that hashtag on social media. Again, it's just ebooklove, all one word. And you'll have a chance to win something from us. Just tell us how you're celebrating the day or what you're reading. Uh, share some pictures. If you're reading an ebook with a, a cat or a dog or outside, whatever it is, just let us know what uh, you know why you love why you love ebooks. Um, if you're a library, hope you'll do the same because our library friends have a chance to win some content from us. And perhaps most importantly, if you want a book recommendation uh, and you are barreling through everything and you you need a, a recommendation that you haven't gotten on this podcast again use that hashtag ebook love tell us what you've been enjoying and our staff librarians will uh, send you some book recommendations in real time so it should be a lot of fun um, okay if you're interested in finding us you can always go to professionalbooknerds.com you can always uh, send us a tweet or find us on instagram at probooknerds on both of those you can email us professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com and if you wouldn't mind, if you could just take a second to go on iTunes and give us a five-star rating, maybe a quick review, helps people find us just a little bit more easily. So we really appreciate it, and it makes our day if you say something nice. Um, okay, 
I think that's everything for the kind of first part of this episode. I'm going to let you enjoy the conversation with Brad Meltzer, perhaps as much as I did on the Professional Book Nerds podcast. Hey everybody, it's Adam again, and I cannot tell you how excited I am for today's guest. If you have been listening to the show, you know him and you love him. It's Brad Meltzer, who we have talked in the past about his fiction writing for adults, and we've talked about George Washington and how he almost got murdered. And today we're going to talk a little bit about some of his incredible Ordinary People Change the World books that he writes for children. Uh, the he has two new ones coming out, which is I Am Walt Disney and I Am uh, Marie Curie. They come out September 10th. Uh, they are the uh, kind of foundation of a children's series coming out from PBS Kids, which we'll get into as well. But first off, Brad, welcome back. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you. I love being back. This is, uh, this, you know, it feels like homecoming. I know, like I said, I told you before we started recording, the only problem is we're not in person, but we will we will make do. So um, yeah. can, can you kind of, you know, give people a little bit of an introduction, because I'm sure that they're familiar with the Ordinary People Change the World series, especially if they, they see them, they have a very specific look. But you have two new ones coming out, Walt Disney and Marie, uh, Marie Curie. So can you kind of talk about these books and maybe where you guys get the ideas from them and, and what you found out about these two people? Yeah, these books started with my own kids. I was tired of my own kids looking at reality TV show stars and people who are famous for being famous and thinking that that's a hero. And I was like, that's fame. And being famous is very different than being a hero. So we started a book series. Um, you know, for me, if I tell my daughter, we started with I'm Amelia Earhart. And if I tell my daughter that Amelia Earhart flew across the Atlantic Ocean, she's like, big deal, Dad. Everyone flies across the Atlantic. <laughs> But if I tell her that when, and this is true, when Amelia Earhart was seven years old, she built a homemade roller coaster in her backyard, that she took a wooden crate and she put roller skating wheels on the bottom of it, she shoved it to the roof of her tool shed, gets on top of the roof, gets in the crate on these roller skating wheels and comes flying down the side of this wood, you know, and crashes and gets up and is like, that's amazing. My daughter's like, Dad, more of that. <laughs> now my now now my daughter's listening, and and I realized that's what we wanted. We wanted to do a an illustrated biography series, and you know, in cartoon format, so kids could understand it and love it, like a picture book. And um, and we started with I'm Amelia Earhart and I'm Abraham Lincoln. We did I'm Rosa Parks and Albert Einstein. My son loves sports. I said, you want to see what a real sports hero looks like? It's not the guys that get paid a million dollars. Meet this guy. Here's I am Jackie Robinson. I wrote that for him. We did I am Lucille Ball because I wanted my daughter to have a female entertainment hero who was just famous being thin and pretty. But then Lucy stood for the idea, it's, not, it, it's okay to be different. That's the very best part of who we are is that we're all different. And we did I Am Helen Keller. Where we put, you know, the pages of the book go black. It says, cover your eyes here so I see the world. Cover your ears here so I hear the world. We put real braille into the book. So when you can close your eyes and it says, fill these dots, this is my name, my name's Helen, what's your name? And I watched my 17-year-old son, who's way too old for this book series, but I watched my 17-year-old son feeling the dots in the braille, and he was like, Dad, this one's really good. And I'm like, what's wrong with the other one? <laughs> yeah. um, and, and we've done, you know, I am Jane Goodall, and we've done George Washington. Uh, I am George Washington, and, uh, and I am Martin Luther King Jr. for the election year, because parents and aunts and uncles around the com- country were tired of turning on their TV and seeing politicians on both sides what they wanted to show their kids were leaders 
and we know there's a huge difference between a leader and a politician. And uh, I love that people have used our books to help kind of fight back against the cynicism that's currently all across America. And that leads us to what is now our 18th and 19th book uh, in the whole series, in the I Am series and the Ordinary People Change the World series, where we finally get to do the most requested hero of anyone we've ever been asked to do uh, is I Am Walt Disney. I have to tell you, um, so over the weekend, I was at, uh, my brother had a, well, it wasn't my brother's first birthday. He's my older brother. It was his his uh, his youngest daughter's first birthday, and he also has another daughter who's a little bit older, and uh, I was, you know, sent a copy of, of both your two newest books, and then also about a week and a half ago, I was sent by uh, a publishing friend the upcoming Dr. Seuss book that's coming out, Horse Museum. And uh-huh. it's um, it's it's you're pre- like Mr. Uncle now. Oh, I, I got to tell you, I literally I handed my niece all three of these books at the same time, and she like didn't know how to contain herself because obviously she's you know six years old, so she obviously is you know right in the Walt Disney wheelhouse. And just first off, seeing her like I thought she was gonna grab the Dr. Seuss one first, and she actually she grabbed the Marie Curie one first because it was a woman. And that got me so excited that that was like, don't get me wrong, Walt Disney is an incredible story, but I got so excited to see her grab the Marie Curie one first because in my mind, I'm like, all right, yes, let's get you on a path of science and, and STEM and all this incredible, you know, things in her future. Yeah, and then listen, that's what the book is, right? I mean, they, you know, each of these people, well, whoever you look up to, whether it's Dr. King or Rosa Parks or Abraham Lincoln or, you know, Marie Curie, they have moments where they were scared and they were terrified, but they kept going forward. And one of those, whoever you look up to in your life, whoever your hero is, have moments where they were scared and they were terrified, but they still move forward. And I love that your niece is going to, you know, let, let's pretend her thing is science. Like now she's got a science hero. For some kid who loves to draw, it's going to be Walt Disney. For some kid who loves, you know, to fly, it's going to be Amelia Earhart. Um, you know, Jane Goodall is one of our biggest selling books because I think kids just love their dogs and their cats and their pets. And she's got, you know, these, this amazing journey, uh, you know, with chimpanzees. And I think, you know, everyone can find a little bit of themselves in these heroes. And when they do, it just unlocks potential. So you mentioned, you know, obviously Walt Disney being massively requested for you guys to do that one. Um, how do you go about kind of picking and choosing? Because like you said, you sort of described various people that you wanted for inspiration for your children. Is that kind of still how you go about like who you want to do next? Like I have to imagine you guys have a a list at this point that's just going to kind of keep going and going. Yeah, we have this master list that we've kept. I mean, this list has been going for five years now. And, um, you know, what we always try and space it out on is, uh, I mean, I know, again, it sounds so selfish, but it's what our own kids need and what I want for my own kids. I've, I've learned one thing in, in 20 years of writing thrillers and, and doing books for adults and everyone else is I'm not that special. I'm not that special. If I want this for my kids, there are going to be other people out there who are going to want it for them and for theirs and for their nieces and nephews or their grandkids. And for me, I just look at it and say, okay, well, we haven't done a, a female science hero in a long time. Um, we got to do one, you know? So we got Marie Curie has been on the list since we started the whole series. Um, Walt Disney's, you know, obviously if you're going to do something, you know, one of the things about Walt Disney is he's a daydreamer. Mm-hmm. My youngest son is a daydreamer. He's just, my youngest is just a daydreamer. He could be in the middle of dinner and you could see he's just got it, you know, he's got his own story going on in his head. And I love the fact that, you know, 
Walt Disney when he was a little kid in school. His teachers used to yell at him for daydreaming. Um, but sometimes it's good to daydream, and sometimes it's good to come up with crazy ideas in your head, um, especially, you know, when they can lead to magical mice. <laughs> I, I'm curious, like, what do you go about for a research process for these? Because there's obviously, you know, for Walt Disney and, and Marie Curie as well, and, and a lot of the people that, that you touch on, there's, there's tons of biographies and, and stuff out there, but how do you sort of pick and choose what to put into their stories? B- because, you know, they are for children, and then also there's just so much to all these people's lives, and it being a, a kid's book, it's also very limited with the, the amount of words you can put in there. So how do you kind of research it and then pick and choose what you want to put in here? Yeah, you know, it's, it's a little bit like the Supreme Court definition of pornography, <laughs> which is, which did you know when you, pornography now, right? Mm-hmm. What a wonderful transition I've made. But, <laughs> but, the reality, but the reality is, is, you know, you see these stories in their lives, and you just know when you see it. You know, when you see that, that Walt Disney was a daydreamer as a little kid and got in trouble in class, or you see that Walt Disney, also true, um, one time was paint, he painted on the actual side of his house. And his relative was like, are you sure this is a good idea? And he's like, don't worry, it's going to come off, except what he was painting with was tar. <laughs> and needless to say, it didn't come off. It was a total disaster. It was like on the house when they sold it and moved away. It was, his picture was still on the side of their house. Or that when Walt Disney was in his late teens and started his first company, that basically they were like, it fails. You have to go bank. You're going to have to declare bankruptcy. And he was so poor that he had to sleep in his office and he would take baths in, like, the train station. Like, we all think of Mickey Mouse as this amazingly formed and wonderful, you know, incredible Disney, you know, disney process. But it's not once upon a time and happily ever after. It's not that simple. There's a lot of hard work that goes in the middle of it. And I want my kids to learn that you don't get the good stuff until you get failure. Um, that's just a vital part of the lesson. And, and I think for me it was also very personal because every year we have a tradition in our family that we've had since my kids were little. And every year on the way to school, we live in Florida, but as we're driving to school, once a year we will pass the school and drive directly to Disney World. Uh-huh. And the kids never know when it's going to be. It's a surprise day. So every day, you know, especially when they were really little, they're like, "Is it Disney World? We're going to Disney World today, Dad. What are we doing?" You know, and it just and and I and the reason we did it was to teach them not anything but that every day can have some magic in it, right? It just depends how you look at it, and that's what magic is, right? That's what real magic is. Is it lets you dream of really big, fun dreams, and it and it let you know you can use your creativity to put good into this world. That's a real magical experience. And that's what Walt Disney winds up standing for. So it became this kind of very fun, personal book. Uh, and, and for me, just, you know, took on this, this character we've lived with in our house that has is, that is created, created the greatest senior skip day uh, every single year. Yeah, that is my favorite idea I've, I've ever heard from anyone. I, I love that. So, well, I mean, I'm in Ohio, so it would be a little bit str- I also don't have children. It's a longer but... drive for you, yeah. But it's a good trip. <laughs> I mean, the funny thing is we do it. If you go on our Facebook and our Twitter page, Every year, there like people now are like, "Can you tell us when it is so we can go and meet you?" <laughs> and I'm just tempted at this because every time I post, I always say, "Every year, once a year, we skip school and we go to Disney World." And, and I'm like, and "Today is the day." And all these people around the country who follow us up on Facebook and come on Instagram and Twitter are like, "I'm coming! Like, get ready! I'm you know, I'm going to meet you there." And I just love that we should like 
we should do this as a culture. Like, I think that's really what I want my legacy to be is just that. No, you're, you're absolutely right, because even, like I said, we're in Ohio, but my, you know, speaking of my brother, he, he does take his daughter, he'll be taking, he just got back from actually taking his one-year-old as well, he takes both of his daughters, he and his wife go, and they've gone down to Disney every single year uh, with his daughter and now, and now both of them. They, they took a one-year-old to Disney in August because they're superhero parents. I have no idea how they, they did that for a week. No, they're insane is what they are. It's insane if you go in August I, to Disney World. I, I know, but they had the, the best time. And I, you're absolutely right about you know Walt Disney being kind of like a dreamer and a, a storyteller and just like, I, I can see those like seeds being planted in my niece's kind of like eyes, the way she like, tell stories and I can like see it, it a lot of it comes from having so much of this you know this magic and this kind of whimsy around her life every single year and she gets starts getting excited about it like around Christmas and then she'll talk about it all the way through August like there's just something you know about him and, and the world that he created I'm curious did you have to kind of get anything approved from from Disney on this one I, I know that they're being Disney the way that they are like people. yeah no listen I mean we did we did I'm Jim Henson um, mm-hmm. and we worked with the Disney company before um, you know you have the right to tell any story you want about a famous person you, know, you can't own history so you can tell whatever book you want but if you want to use Mickey Mouse likeness and you want to show Donald Duck um, you need permission that's a trademark character right I mean this <laughs> is not legal advice but I will tell you what I learned and um, and yes, we needed Disney to basically sound off and make sure what we were writing was right and it went through the Disney archives. The archivists there like have incredible detailed information and notes and we were trying to get quotes right and what happened with you know when he was when he was a little boy and, and obviously some of it you can get by biographies, um, but some of it are you know, one of the my favorite details in the book is this idea, you know, that when he was uh, had little kids, Walt Disney himself used to take his daughters to the merry-go-round and he kind of like look around his daughters are on the merry-go-round but he's like this, this isn't fun there's not there's nothing here for parents to do we're just sitting here so he's like we got to invite something we got to build something that the whole family can go to and he starts studying all the great kind of like early theme parks things that people go to amusement parks that people go to he studies gettysburg that people go to to see what people like and he realizes that he wants to build this place where there's going to be yesterday is going to be there and, and, and tomorrow is going to be there and the future is going to be there. And they're like, well, what about today? And he's like, no, nothing of today will exist in this place. You'll have fantasy. You'll have the future. You'll have the past, but nothing of today. And that's what Disney World is, right? It's, it's this place that is magical for that reason. There's, it's not, there's not the here and now there. It's all the past and the future and, and, and our fantasies. But that, you know, I love that. You know, he thought about it and built it and created it. And it, it wasn't just a magical out of nowhere idea. It took it took hard work and, and years to figure it out and, and crack that code for what everyone would enjoy and what everyone could experience. So I'm guessing you guys haven't gone yet this year, correct? Well, we actually did. We cheated. We cheated our own rule this year because um, and having nothing to do with the book. But a friend of mine got us to sneak into the early Star Wars land. That's exactly what. I, that's exactly what I was going to ask because at, at the time of us recording here, it's the twenty sixth, and I know that that doesn't open until the 29th. So you got to see all the right. galaxies. Edge I stuff? got to go early, so I told my kids it was a week before school started. I said, "I'm just telling you." We surprised my youngest, and he we like started driving, and he's like, "Where are we going?" It was, and I'm like, "This is the trip." He's like, "But it's no school." I'm like, 
you want to go see Star Wars? He's like, let's go. Uh, and so we took off, and, and I said to them, they knew why this trip counted, because uh, we were going to be able to go and see Galaxy's Edge, which is the new Star Wars world that they opened before it even opened on the 29th. So we were thrilled and got to go on the Millennium Falcon and have all the fun and drink blue milk. Uh, so, yes, that was our trip this year. Ah, uh, so you you got to go with minimal crowds and all that good stuff, or was there like yes, all the things that you now hate us for? Yeah, uh, that's exactly what they let us do, which was the best part. Ah, uh, it is good to be Brad Meltzer, I'll tell you, <laughs> not so bad. Um, so can you kind of give us all some information about Xavier Riddle and the the Secret Museum because they're turning all these incredible stories into uh, a PBS Kids show, right? Yeah. So what happened was we've been working on this for six years now. Um, with PBS, uh, they're basing a cartoon TV show on the Ordinary People Change the World series. Uh, it's called Xavier Riddle and the Secret Museum. It's about Xavier, his sister Yadina, and their best friend Brad, who's the most handsome cartoon character <laughs> you've ever seen in your whole life. And, uh, and basically, they have a problem. They're being bullied. They have a secret museum. They go back in time to meet Rosa Parks, who teaches them about how to deal with bullies. They come back to the present and they use that information. And every episode, Xavier Riddle and his friends and sister go back in time to meet a different hero. From And it looks just like our book series. Uh, Chris Eliopoulos, the amazing artist, is the man who, uh, who it, it's drawn all in his art style, just like the books are. And it debuts on November 11th. It is 50 years and one day after the launch of Sesame Street. So no pressure at all. Oh my God, that is, I love that. That is very apropos. Did you, do you get to do your own voice? No, we, you know, the funny thing was, is when we were doing the voices, I was like, I really wanted to be, um, you know, I don't want, they're like, you want kids to do the voices or you want adults to do the voices? And I was like, no, I want, I want it to be all adults because our humor is going to be so funny. It's going to be edgy like Sesame Street and it's going to be like, you know, just amazing, and like Jim Henson and early Walt Disney, it's good, blah, 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 and I'm like just taking myself so seriously, and I'm like, I want it to be just like Charlie Brown, the best of Charlie Brown, and they're like, dummy, Charlie Brown is all kids, I'm like, that's <laughs> exactly what I said, I want all kids, 100% all kids, so, so we have all kids that are doing the voices, and they're incredible. I was wondering, because I, I was wondering if you're going to try and do like a kid version of your own voice, but that, I mean, that's... No, I, I'm not, I, I can't act, I can't act, he can look like me and look nerdy, the funniest thing about Brad, the character, the cartoon character, is that he's completely neurotic. He's worried about everything. He's like, he's the kid who has delusions of averageness, you know? And he, mm -hmm. he just like, when they go into the, like, into the forest for an adventure, he's like, hey, Xavier, do we have enough insurance? Like, do we bring enough hand sanitizer? Like, he just can't, he's just, and he's just me. Like, when it's perfect. It's like worried about everything. And he just winds up being the funniest character on the show because... Who doesn't laugh at a good hand sanitizer I, joke? I love that you say that you can't act when you... And I, I know that it wasn't really... You were playing your own self, but you've literally hosted a television show. Yeah, but that's not acting. If I host a TV show, that's just me playing myself, right? Like, that's just me. I can tell a story. Like, what did I do on that show? I told you a story. I can tell you a story. I can always tell you a story. But to be able to be like, hey, Xavier... Uh, we need to go back in time because I'm not feeling so good today. Mm. Like that's a that's a different muscle. All right, you're right. I just heard you say it. You're right. Yeah, you shouldn't have been the voice. You you're absolutely absolutely right. 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 I, I just I just proved to you that was my 
that was my my casting session, and you can see what happened when I tried. Um, all right, so I know we don't have a ton of time, but I, I literally I can't not ask you. I, every single time we've spoke, we have discussed a Jim Henson related thing, and this again, the week this our chat is happening is Dark Crystal: Age of Resistance is coming out at the end of this week. So, is that something you have gotten to see the Netflix? Dark Crystal I have stuff? not seen it. I haven't even watched. It. I don't even know if there's a pre. I just refuse to watch anything. I want to know nothing about it. I want to fully express. I don't know. Even, maybe there are pictures out. I haven't. Seen, I I purposely have stayed away from everything because I'm like a firm believer. It's like even the new Star Wars movie. I don't want to know anything. I want to just experience it. No, no hints, no tips, no nothing. So, so you don't even watch trailers or anything like that. I, I when it's a movie that I love to see, that I know I'm going to go see. I may watch like a first teaser trailer where they don't show anything yet, where it's just like a thirty-second thing. But once I know I want to go see the movie, I will not watch a trailer. I'm crazy like that because I have I, I just wind up like they always show some crazy stunt or some key moment, and when it comes in the movie, I'm like, here's that moment, here it comes the stunt. <laughs> all right. Well, I won't give anything away, but all I will say is the the puppetry that they do and the visuals that they create are like next level, out of this world. And this morning, um, io9 or one of the sci-fi websites that I read, uh, released like the, oh, not the actual opening credits, but the soundtrack to the opening credits, just like a three minute song. And it is as magical as I could have possibly hoped. I, I have ludicrously high hopes for this. I'm very excited. Yeah, no, I'm, I, I, I can't wait. Trust me. I'm like, uh, you know what a Henson fan I am. And mm-hmm. in fact, uh, is it you know how it all comes together because when you actually go in orlando to where galaxy's edge which is where star wars is you basically it's right by the muppets experience mm-hmm. the 3d experience and so you literally get to walk like from one step in the in jim henson to the muppets and one of i mean from the muppets and jim henson to star wars in the next breath and i'm like i feel like my whole life is coming together in this moment <laughs> Um, all right, well, so how about this then? Because nothing has come out for these, so this isn't really like giving anything away. What are you looking forward to most in the Marvel Phase 4? Because you're also like my favorite uh, like comic book nerd as well. Well, you know, I, well, I'll tell you this. By the time this airs, it will have just come out. But uh, in the next two weeks, I my first Spider-Man story comes out. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I get to write Spider-Man. So that's, you know, I love, I've, I've written Superman, I've written Batman. Those are fun. But when I get to write Spider-Man, like, you know, it's just like a new level of like thing. It, it's a good one, and and obviously I did this one for my boys who love the Marvel universe. So the new phase, um, I gotta say, I know it's gonna. You know, I'm not like an internals person. Like that was never; those were never my comics. I'm more excited, oddly, for the the smaller character television moments. Like I really want to see like Scarlet Witch and Vision. I want to see Falcon and and Bucky. Like those are the things character bit out of and to me it's you know the character the character the character is always the fun part although i will say of the new stuff um she hulk is just gonna be (laughs) i I mean i love she hulk um so i'm psyched for that and i'm just i can't wait for that moment when a fantastic four member or an x-men member comes into the game that's what i can't wait for there was a fake posting that went around a couple last night that was like talking about this. Oh, they're doing a new Wolverine show uh, for Disney Plus. And even though it was all fake and it was just like a fraud account that was trying to put it on the internet, 
I was even excited by that. Like, I was just like, just the whole idea of, like, casting a new Wolverine and creating that universe, I mean, and threading it all together. Um, I love, love, love when you have something that's rich in continuity like that. Oh, man, that is awesome. All right, well, I know we're short on time, Brad, but we, I got to bring it back just to, like, we, when we just don't have an agenda, we'll just nerd out for, like, an hour about a whole bunch of stuff. But seriously, I, I hope... Oh, yeah, wait, wait, tell me, though, what are you most excited for for Marvel? Oh, man. Um, I So I am really excited for The Eternals, but honestly, like entirely because of Camille Nanjiani. Um, just yeah, him I love. I, I agree. He's, the, the fact that he's in it is spectacular. Yeah, so that, and then like of the movies, though, I, I think the new Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness, I think is the one I'm most excited about. But you have, you, you nailed it for the, the shows, the, the She-Hulk, I am just... I am like over the moon when I saw that. I'm that and Miss Marvel. I think are going to be phenomenal TV shows. And Disney is, Disney Plus has our money already as soon as it comes out. Oh yeah, sure. my kids were literally like, "We have to get this," as if like it was you know they were starving <laughs> and this was food. Like it was a have to. It wasn't we want this. Oh man, that's. So I was funny. like, I was like, enough. We got it. We we were signed up three, you know, a dozen shows ago. We were already in. <laughs> Just give us the free the Star Wars movies and Pixar, and we're already in. We got it. Uh, oh. You don't need to do all this work. Oh, that's amazing. All right, well, I hope literally everyone, if people are familiar with uh, the Ordinary People series, I am Walt Disney and I am Mary Curious are so magical. And I again, please always keep making these and, and keep coming back so we have more things to talk about brad thank you so much for hopping on again today thank you so much brother really appreciate it readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from overdrive.com and our library friends can purchase these titles in marketplace professional book nerds is proud to be an evergreen podcast signature program to learn about other evergreen podcasts visit evergreenpodcasts.com our podcast is produced recorded and edited by adam sokol and jill grunewald and presented by rakuten overdrive for more information visit professionalbooknerds.com History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far? in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.